Hello and welcome to episode 637 of the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. It is my pleasure to be with you this evening. My name is Terrence M. Stanton. We are recording on Wednesday, August 30, 2023, in the year of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let us begin with the Wednesday prayer to the Most Blessed Virgin Mary to obtain deliverance from hell. My most beloved lady, I thank thee for having delivered me from hell as many times as I have deserved it by my sins. Miserable creature that I was, I was once condemned to that prison, and perhaps already, after the first sin, the sentence would have been put into execution if thou, and thy compassion, hadst not helped me. Thou, without even being asked by me, and only in thy goodness, didst restrain divine justice, and then, conquering my obduracy, thou didst draw me to have confidence in thee. Oh, and to how many other sins should I have afterwards fallen, and the dangers in which I have been. Hadst not thou, my loving mother, preserved me by the graces which thou didst obtain for me. Ah, my queen, continue to guard me from hell. For what will thy mercy and the favors which thou hast shown me avail me if I am lost? If I did not always love thee, now at least, after God, I love thee above all things. Never allow me to turn my back on thee and on God, who by thy means has granted me so many graces. My most amiable lady, never allow me to have the misfortune to hate thee and curse thee for all eternity in hell. Wilt thou endure to see a servant of thine who loves thee lost? O Mary, what sayest thou? I shall be lost if I abandon thee. But who can evermore have the heart to leave thee? How can I ever forget the love that thou hast borne me? My lady, since thou hast done so much to save me, complete the work, continue thy aid. Wilt thou help me? But what do I say? If at a time when I live forgetful of thee, thou didst favor me so much, how much more may I not hope for now that I love thee and recommend myself to thee? No, he can never be lost who recommends himself to thee. He alone is lost who has not recourse to thee. Ah, my mother, leave me not in my own hands, for I should then be lost. Grant that I may always have recourse to thee. Save me, my hope. Save me from hell. But in the first place, save me from sin, which alone can condemn me to it. Today, friends, we're going to follow up on an episode we had a couple days ago involving Mr. Matthew Pleasy at the Fatima Center. And this is an article he published in 2019 at Fatima.org entitled, What Does Papal Infallibility really mean? Catholic Apologetics number 16, the doctrine of infallibility versus impeccability. Mr. Pleasy begins by saying, infallibility is one of those doctrines the modern world has a lot of trouble accepting. Part of the problem is that some have mistaken the word to mean that the Pope, who is a human being, is without error in everything he says and does. This is not what infallibility means. The First Vatican Council made clear that infallibility relates to the office of the Pope, not the man himself. When the Pope speaks ex cathedra, or from the very seat of Peter, in order to define and defend matters of faith and morals, these teachings are to be believed by all the faithful. He speaks as the successor of Peter, who was given this authority by Jesus. The Pope speaks from a basis in sacred tradition and sacred scripture. To understand this better, we can look to the family unit as a microcosm of the spiritual world. The need for a defining word is experienced on an everyday level here. There are times when a parent must say, I have made the decision and it is final. This proclamation is necessary to preserve the unity of the family. 
Without it, some members of the family would dissent and go astray. The family is split, and the peace of the family is shattered until the head of the household makes a decision to clarify what is true, right, and good. Absolutely. We're Catholics. We believe in a patriarchy. The father is the head of the home. The mother is the heart. For over 1,000 years, Christianity was one family, one flock, under the guidance of the Pope, who is the father and the shepherd of the faithful. But then the Patriarch of Constantinople rebelled in 1054. 500 years later, Martin Luther rebelled. Since that schism begun by Luther, over 25,000 new denominations have split off from the first splits, and more schisms occur every day. All of this dissension and division reflects a denial of authority. Yet the one true Catholic Church has continued in an unbroken line from Peter down to the present. This is so because Jesus promised it when saying, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, meaning the church. No other institution in the world has preserved its identity and structure for 2,000 years. The church, beginning with the Council of Constantinople in 381, proclaimed that there are four marks which indicate her authority. She is one, united under one God with one baptism in the body of Christ. Holy, as proclaimed by Christ. Catholic, meaning universal, and apostolic, guided in a direct line from the apostles as the first teaching authorities of the church. Organization and structure within the church reflect the orderliness and structure of God. Father John Lau succinctly summarizes papal infallibility when he writes, the first Vatican Council did not declare that the Pope cannot sin, neither did it declare that he can in no way err, nor that he cannot personally hold erroneous views in matters of faith, but merely that he is infallible, not subject to error, when he decides ex cathedra, that is, as head and teacher of the whole church, upon matters of faith and morals. So friends, if I can interject here, don't be scandalized when Pope Francis says something that makes you scratch your head. He's not speaking ex cathedra. The next section says the Baltimore Catechism succinctly summarizes papal infallibility. 124. Question. What is meant by the infallibility of the church? Answer. By the infallibility of the church, it is meant that the church cannot err when she teaches a doctrine of faith or morals. 125. Question. When does the church teach infallibly? Answer. The church teaches infallibly when she speaks through the Pope and the bishops united in general council, or through the Pope alone when he proclaims to all the faithful a doctrine of faith or morals. 126. Question. What is meant by the indefectibility of the church? Answer. By the indefectibility of the church, it is meant that the church, as Christ founded her, will last till the end of time. Here are some notable popes and their contributions to the world. The first 31 popes, with the exception of Pope Zephyrinius, died as martyrs. St. Cornelius was a pope for two years, from 251 to 253. He pronounced that those who had denied Christ in order to avoid persecution could confess, do penance, and come back to the sacraments. When the persecutions began again, Cornelius faced exile. During his time of trial, he wrote that each bishopric 
should have an exorcist. He died from various hardships during his exile. St. Leo the Great was the Pope from 440 to 461. He clarified the doctrine about the two natures of Jesus. Jesus is both fully human and fully divine. St. Leo described this as a hypostatic union. Hypostatic means personal. This is the union of two natures in one person. This Pope also helped clarify the Pope's role in speaking in union with St. Peter with the aid of the Holy Spirit. He is best known for convincing Attila the Hun not to invade Italy. He is a doctor of the church. St. Gregory the Great was the Pope from 590 to 604. He came to be known as the father of Christian worship for his dedication to the sacredness of the liturgy. He wrote music and Gregorian chants bear his name. He was especially charitable in caring for the poor. Pope Leo III named Charlemagne the Holy Roman Emperor on Christmas Day in 800. As a result of this joining together of temporal and spiritual, Europe was transformed. The first schools were started inside monasteries. Ancient books were copied and preserved. Advances were made in art, architecture, and agriculture. Pope Urban II called for the First Crusade to defend the Holy Lands and free the Christians in the East from persecution by the Muslim Turks in 1095. He also created the Roman Curia to help administer the needs of the worldwide church. St. Pius V was a pope from 1566 to 1572. He called together a holy league to do battle at Lepanto against the ships of the invading Muslims. He credited the victory of the untrained Christian sailors to the praying of the rosary. He instituted the Feast of Our Lady of Victory, which later became known as the Feast of Our Lady of the Rosary. St. Pius V guided the work of the Council of Trent. Pope Urban VIII announced that he would excommunicate any colonists in the New World who tried to capture and enslave the native people. Blessed Pius IX sat on the chair of Peter from 1846 to 1878. He called the First Vatican Council in 1869, and that council outlined the doctrine of papal infallibility. He defined the infallible dogma of the Immaculate Conception. Pope Leo XIII wrote an encyclical to define Catholic social teaching, Rerum Novarum, defending the rights of the worker. He was a Marian pope, writing extensively on Mary's role in salvation history and the power of the rosary. St. Pius X was the pope from 1903 to 1914. He spoke out against the rising popularity of the philosophy of relativism and called for a return to orthodoxy within the church. He called for the practice of frequent communion. He published the first code of canon law. On a personal note, Pope St. Pius X is my favorite pope. He was the first ethnically Polish pope, as Dr. Taylor Marshall is fond of pointing out, not John Paul II. St. Pius X was from the area of what is now um, currently Poland. I believe the time was part of the Austro-Hungary, I should say the Austro-Hungarian Empire but his family would uh, emigrate to Italy. He was ethnically Polish, however. Kind of looks a little bit like my uh, Uncle Walt. May he rest in peace. Finally, Pope Pius XII was the Pope from 1939 to 1958. He defined the infallible dogma of the Assumption of Mary. Let us conclude, my friends, by mentioning, once again, Helping Autism Through Learning and Outreach, available on the web at H-A-L-O hyphen S-O-M-A dot org, halo hyphen Soma dot org. And please tune into episodes 277 and 548 of the Our Lady Fatima podcast. The topic of discussion there, 
RPM, an acronym for Rapid Prompting Method, which is a system of communication for non-speakers. Just as sign language was a revolutionary breakthrough for the deaf, so RPM, Rapid Prompting Method, has become a revolutionary breakthrough for non-speakers. Imagine for a moment, friends, how frustrated you would be if you were unable to communicate not only the higher things like what your hopes and dreams are for the future, but what you want to have for breakfast in the morning. We had to guess at everything my niece wanted until she broke through to what's called open communication via RPM at the age of eight. Now we know that she's a comprehensive genius. She composes music. She's skilled at mathematics. She even knows foreign languages. We would have known none of that if it weren't for RPM. RPM helps to break non-speakers out of the prison of silence that they are in. I heard someone on TV today talk about people with autism being intellectually disabled. For most people with autism, they are highly intelligent. They don't have an intellectual disability. Their disability is in having difficulty communicating. Well, so did people who are deaf. And people didn't think, or maybe they did, think that they were intellectually disabled. They just had a problem in communicating. RPM helps non-speakers to communicate, and we need to get this information to their friends and family members. Thank you so much for listening to the Our Lady of Fatima podcast. May God bless each and every one of you, and please tune in again next time. Goodbye, and God love you.